Coco Explains It All is back. Welcome, you guys. Um, today's episode is going to focus on the movie Seaberg that stars Anthony Mackie and Kirsten Stewart. Um, I felt a need to highlight this film because it opened my eyes and I believe that I learned a lot about our history and I did avid, avid, avid research as well. I went all through the FBI website um, just to try to connect the dots between what was said in the film versus what happened in real life, because of course this film is based on true events. Um, so what I want to do first is kind of break down the film for you. Um, talk a little bit about the actors that are in it, what I thought about the acting, jump into the true history of Gene Seberg, and then tell you, you know, in between how I felt about the film and how they portrayed her versus what they may have left out. Um, this is very interesting and I can guarantee that there is something you didn't know that you can leave here learning after this podcast. I want to really focus on the way the acting was portrayed for me. And um, let's get started. Okay, so I hope everyone's doing well. I know it's been a hectic week. Um, I sure as hell needed a little bit of a break and a, a mental break, that is. We had election week and we're still going through it. So, you know, everyone just keep getting it on <laughs> in your homes. And by getting it on, I mean with your businesses and your reading and your lives and your happiness, but also staying safe and remembering that we are in the center of a pandemic and our safety, our health, and just our communities sticking together. Let's focus on that a lot more. So let's talk a little bit about Kirsten Stewart because I know everyone knows and remembers her from Twilight, the series, and not many people have anything great to say about those films. Usually they are mocked, but what I will tell you is I was a serious Twilight fan. Um, and yes, I admit and I know that the films were treacherous. They weren't quality films. They were definitely, when I watched them back, even when I watched them then, I knew they were very weird. Uh, I can't even describe it, but it was very low budget, very bad acting. Um, it was just, ugh, like <laughs> it was a joke. It felt like uh, an ongoing Mad TV episode meets SNL. And um, Kirsten Stewart herself, I've always sort of admired her as an actress because I remember her from Panic Room. I don't know if anyone has see that, seen that, but um, Jodie Foster plays her mother and Forrest Whitaker. I, is it Forrest Whitaker? Yeah, I believe it is. He He's like one of the uh, robbers that tries to get into their house. And it's such a great film. And uh, Kirsten Stewart was much younger. So this to me is her iconic film. And I always knew and thought this would be the type of actress that she turned out to be. So Seberg, for me, in my opinion, she did phenomenal. I forgot who she was, which is something I always think about when I watch a film or when I look at uh, one of my favorite actors. I try to 
not be biased and idolize them. For example, Leonardo DiCaprio, he is the top tier actor to me in my eyes since I've grown up, since I've been a child. And I still can find it within me to break down his acting and say, okay, maybe he could have done better in this situation or in this scene. I'm not going to sit there and just say he's great at everything. You know what I mean? So um, Kristen Stewart did give really just a really breathtaking, um, I don't know how Gene Seberg acts in re- like is in real life. I haven't seen many of her films, but I did skim through them and I found a lot of similarities. But the fact that I was able to disconnect Kirsten Stewart from uh, Gene Seberg was beautiful because I, I forgot that she was Kirsten. And there were a lot of scenes that I really did enjoy. But now let me get a little critical here. Watching it a second time, I have a difference in opinion and I I feel like a lot was left out and it was a dense movie. There could have been more. It was rushed. It was underwritten and I'll get to that. But first, let's start here. Uh, The movie is a political thriller that was um, released December 13th of 2019 It was directed by Benedict Andrews. The screenplay is originally by Joe uh, Shrapnel and Anna Waterhouse. What I did read briefly about uh, Joe and Anna, I believe they're a couple, but they know someone or were able to have an interview with a woman that, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but I vaguely remember a woman that is in connection with Jean Seberg and was good friends with her. So she was able to give her a lot of insight on her personal life. Um, of course, the entire film is based off the life of Jean Seberg, who is a, an, a French and Hollywood actress. Um, the budget for the film was $8 million, but catch this, the box office, they only made $675,000. So it wasn't a hit in the theater, which is interesting because I'm wondering, maybe was it promotion? Um, what happened that this didn't even hit over $2 million? Because I feel that the cast is spot on. Um Yes, the storyline was a little patchy because they could have put uh, they could have put it more in depth, to be honest, but they didn't even bother to go there. Um, Anthony Mackie, he's from The Hurt Locker, Captain America. Many of us know him from Eight Mile. Um, and Curtis lives at home with both parents. And Clarence's parents have a real good marriage. It's Clarence, not Curtis. Sorry, but him. Um, Jack O'Connell, uh, he's from the the movie Skins, or the show on MTV, Skins, and a movie Unbroken. He's a pretty new actor. I, I know that he has, like, a lot of work when I looked him up, but it wasn't anything that was, like, too notary. But I did really like his acting and... Uh, He kind of captivated the screen for a while. You can tell the character development. It was, 
it made you focus on him a lot in the film from the beginning when it starts you know that there are certain little nuances and details that they point to that they want you to remember later on in the film um and i i would love to see more of him honestly i wish that there was a little bit more uh to the storyline that included him did i find someone in real life that matched who he is no i did not but um I'm sure that there there was they had to do it this way, uh, of course, to add drama for the film. Uh, and also Vince Vaughn was in the film. He is in Wedding Crashers, The Breakup. You know, a lot of people know his roster already. Uh, he actually plays a sack of shit. Let's be honest. Um, they are FBI agents here and they are basically hired um, not hired, but they work for the FBI and they start COINTELPRO program. Um, it is, we'll get into that in a moment, but I want to talk a little bit more about the film. The world premiere was at the Venice Film Festival in 2019, and it actually came out of a competition. Uh, the filming locations were in Los Angeles, California and Montreal, Canada, so I want to give a little history on who Gene Seberg is before I dig deeper into the film itself. Um, Gene Dorothy Seberg was born on November 13th, 1938 in Marshalltown, Iowa. And I believe she won a competition um, for acting. It's something that she always wanted to do. She was raised in a conservative family that was of German and Swedish and English descent and considered one of the top actresses of French New Wave cinema, which is um, the role Breathless. She was, that's where she became iconic. This is the film that broke barriers for her um, and was considered the French New Wave cinema. Um, she has two children, one of which passed away um, two days after the birth. And um, she was married four times, three times officially. And the fourth was a form of marriage. And I want to dig really deep into this. And I want you to remember those marriages uh, once I get a little bit more in depth on the situation that happens in the film versus in real life. She's appeared in a total of 34 films um, between Hollywood and Europe. And she is one of the best known targets of the FBI for the COINTELPRO project. Um, she was a target for retaliation for her support with the Black Panther Party. And um, she was smeared directly by the order of J. Edgar Hoover. So let's jump into what COINTELPRO project is. It was coined, um, created in 1956 by the FBI, and it's short for Counterintelligence Program. It was created to disrupt the activities of uh, communist parties in the United States. Um, so this includes groups such as the Ku Klux Klan, uh, Black Panther Party, Socialist Workers Party, um, Puerto Rican Independence Party, and there are so many more to name. Um, it began to expand in the 1960s, and it ended in 1971 for, of course, going against the First Amendment. 
why Cointelpro actually fucked with Miss Jean Seberg. Uh, Jean was an actress first before anything. All she cared about was her craft and traveling back and forth between France and between America. So most of the time she was creating films. Yes, there are, of course, certain things that she did. She was, while married, known for having affairs. Um, So she has had her fair share of those. In the film, um, when the film begins, I feel now having watched it twice and knowing more of the backstory, they really really missed it because this film could have been huge if it was more if there was more detail they could have dissected more into what happened in real life and really just thrown that into this film a lot more with the rawness of what really happened because it felt a little staged when I watched it the second time you see Anthony Mackie's character who is uh he's portraying Raymond Hewitt who is an activist uh for the Black Panther Party and it starts in this um airport of course and they're on the airplane and Anthony Mackett Raymond Hewitt sorry comes running storming through into first class demanding a seat for the late wife or the the wife of the late Malcolm X, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he did this on purpose to get the attention of Jean Seberg because he knows that she is for black rights. She is more of a liberal person and she just stands up. She's more of an activist. Um, So he pretty much set that up. And it turns out that they begin to have some sort of relationship um, and they are both married with children, happily married with children. Um, for me, I don't think that they could have, they should have jumped directly into that. There's so much that they could have shown us, maybe a backstory on her life. Because what I want to say is, and, and what movies like this make me think of for celebrities is that they're technically not really too safe. So you see how we have cancel culture today. I want to kind of connect it to today a little bit also. We have cancel culture. Um, I still believe that the government sometimes takes advantage and smears a lot of celebrities um, when they feel that celebrities have a lot of pull and are swaying a, a large audience against the government themselves. So that's when they interfere and decide, let's kind of ruin them and ruin their image so that people, groups of people, no longer want to follow their lead. And I say that to say this, we see a lot of celebrities today that may stay quiet and really like to stay very private when it comes to certain decisions they make or things that they believe in. We wonder why certain celebrities don't stand up for certain movements. And what I want to say to that is, you guys, have you ever thought that maybe they just are afraid of being in a situation like this with the government? They can do whatever they want if you think about that. The government can literally ruin anyone's life at any given moment. So a lot of times I myself personally am 
thinking differently about the way that celebrities handle things, especially in the public, because I'm trying to think of myself in the limelight and put myself in their position. Would I want to put my family, my career in jeopardy? Yet I understand that standing up for a lot of these human rights is extremely important. But when it gets to a point where you're getting death threats and smeared campaigns about you, it makes you want to think about it and take a take a step back because it worries you for, for the people that surround you. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm trying to look at it from a different way. I, I do understand that it's important to stand up for your rights and be allies. And I understand all of those factors and I don't disagree with them and I stand for them. But at the same time, I just want to show the other side of the coin, how it could be and and why people may be hesitant to standing up for causes today based on what has been happening throughout our history. So now back to Cointelpro and what how the FBI did what they did. I have some notes here and I'm going to throw them at you guys now. So. In the late 1960s, Gene Seberg provided financial support to groups that supported civil rights. For example, the NAACP, uh, Native American school groups, the Black Panther Party. Um, In 1968, the FBI became aware of the gifts that Seberg was making to the Black Panther Party, which was totaling in $10,500 in contributions. So that struck a red flag for them, obviously. This is a very popular actress. She's humongous and iconic in France. She is also very, very big now in Hollywood. So she has a lot of sway and a lot of pull. And the idea in the film that they give you is, we don't want our daughters to look up to this type of woman and think that she can canoodle with these black communists, these people that have an agenda. They're dangerous. And that to me is sickening, but it's literally what they've done. Um, it was directly overseen. The project itself, Pro, that they, when they made Gene Seberg a target, it was overseen directly by J. Edgar Hoover, and he used the techniques to intimidate and defame her. Uh, the FBI's official stated goal, and this was in quotations, so I want to read it as I saw it, and um, it was a line I also remember from the film. Uh, this was the stated goal was to cause her embarrassment and serve to cheapen her image with the public. This is a legit line. And I was able to go to FBI.gov and go through 70 something pages, maybe even more, just to find out that I could have Wikipedia it and also found it there too. But I found the actual documents from the FBI of Pro that they did from this time. Um, so I did see that and I'm gonna find a way to maybe use it as a photo so you guys can see it uh, on the podcast. In 1970, the FBI created a false story 
that the child the Seaberg was carrying was not fathered by her husband, but by Raymond Hewitt, the member of the Black Panther. So now in the film, they have an affair. They have various moments together where you can see that they're building a bond and it's not just it's not only sexual, there's a, a relationship there, a tiny one, but they don't let you go deep into it, which I wish that they did. Um, the wife of Raymond ends up finding out because the FBI releases the information about it. And then they take, this is in the film, they take these flyers of a pig and a woman having sex. A pig and a man having sex, uh, something getting porked. It's, that's what it said in the film. And they put it all over uh, Raymond Hewitt's wife's like little center for children. And it was everywhere. The kids were laughing, screaming, making fun of it. She's ripping it off walls and all over the place. She goes to uh, walk inside and she sees that it's all over the floor as well. And... Um, the FBI ruined so many lives. They ruined so many relationships and they hurt the children. They hurt people that had no idea that this was even occurring. And um, I didn't find anything on that situation that occurred in the film happening in real life. But uh, the scene where she does end up pregnant they mention that heavily in the film. And what's interesting about this is the father is not Raymond Hewitt, who's played by Anthony Mackie. Um, Seberg in real life now, let's jump back to real life. She goes into premature labor on August 25th, 1970 and gives birth to a four pound baby girl who dies two days later. Um, Seberg held a funeral with an open casket just to prove, just to prove that the rumors were false as her baby skin was white. And it turns out that the baby is of Mexican descent. She had an affair also on a set of a movie in Mexico with another gentleman. Um, so Seberg and her husband at the time, they ended up suing Newsweek for defamation of character and asking for $200,000 in damages. Um, Seberg claims that she went into premature labor when she realized all the articles were out and that they were false claims. Um, FBI actions in the Coyantle Pro project, they suggest that Seberg was effectively blacklisted from Hollywood films, and she never really acted pretty much after that. Um, she also said that she felt that the movie roles that were giving her a chance at the time were very uh, porn-like, and she was not okay with that because we all know she was the type of actress that was very, very artistic and talented. Um, and it was far more than taking off her clothing. Uh, her father's reaction was very interesting. Um, he had a very stern comment. I didn't know how to feel about it when I read it, but I guess I understand based on probably his frustration of how it ruined so many circles um, around Miss Seberg. So he says, and I quote, 
why in the Dickens didn't they, as in the FBI, just shoot her instead of having all of this trivial that has gone on? I have this flag in the corner, as in his United States flag. I used to put it out every morning and I haven't put it out since. So to me, that comment means that he has zero belief now in the government and he's not proud of them anymore. Um, He's not proud because he's noticed that they have completely set his daughter up to ruin her, to ruin her life, just to have the agenda and remain in power. Because that's what this is really all about. Um, Let's be real. It's about keeping the people of color, the black people down and keeping the white people up with in the economy, with money, education. They didn't want black people to have power and they still don't. We're still living through this. So it's incredible. I, I really recommend everyone just to watch this. I don't rate this the best movie out there, but I do feel that it's going to make you do some research and it's going to put you in a rabbit hole to just pay attention a little bit more and watch other documentaries uh, of other celebrities that have had these issues. Um, I also was looking up information. I didn't even know that Muhammad Ali had a connection to the Pro project. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, now here's where it gets even more interesting and why I feel the movie failed. Um, so Remember, I said she had four husbands. Now, the fourth husband, his name is um, Hamed Hasni. I hope I'm pronouncing this correct. And um, they were together in 1979. Now, he persuaded Seberg to sell her second apartment in France. And he kept all the money. And all of that money was 11 million francs in cash, which in America is 12 million, a little shy over $12 million. Uh, And he shortly announced that he would be opening a restaurant in Barcelona. So they were supposed to travel and depart to Spain. But instead, uh, Jean ends up going back to Paris by herself. She went into hiding and she claims it's because she was grievously abused by Ahmed. Now, I want to mention that that is not in the film at all. And what I did notice they did a lot in the film was just make Jean seem nuts. It makes you want to side with her automatically because you know that she's being set up. You see all sides of the spectrum, but you also get frustrated because you realize that no one is even paying attention to this girl. And the the crazy thing for me is, is from what I read and the research that I did, her second uh, husband, Roman Gary, he did believe her. And in the film, he didn't. And I wish there was just a little bit more truth um, to the film. They've really went flat on that, I have to be honest. Let me continue here because it gets more interesting. What I have to mention is that we all know Miss Jean Seberg. Well, you probably don't know if you haven't heard of her, but she passed away um, and they ruled it a suicide. Now, 
you can elude it. You can think so many different things. And I, I have a couple of different scenarios that I believe of what happened. But it's something that we'll, we'll never know. August 30th, 1979, Jean Seberg disappeared. Now, Ahmed, her fourth husband, told the police that they went to see a film and she was not present when he woke up the next morning. He then alluded to her having suicidal tendencies from time to time. He told the police that she also attempted suicide in July of two, of um, that same year, 1979, by almost attempting to jump in front of a train in Paris. So Seberg's body was found September 8th, which was nine days after and they found her body decomposed and wrapped in a blanket in the back seat of her car parked nearby her apartment in Paris. Now, here's where it gets more interesting. At that time, I know they didn't have all the forensic science and the DNA and all this jazz, or maybe they did have DNA at that time. 79? No, not yet. Listen here. When I read the information, just reading different articles about this, the minute that I wrote, that I read, she was wrapped in a blanket in the backseat of a car. How do you commit suicide and wrap yourself in the backseat of a, in a blanket? I don't understand how that is even possible. That's something, that sounds like something someone has to do to you. So then I continue to read. Um, the police end up finding a bottle of barbiturates. In case you don't know what barbiturates are, it's a drug that acts as a central nervous system depressant, and they're still used for various purposes. Listen to the purposes. General anesthesia, when you're going under a knife or under a general surgery. Capital punishment, the death penalty. Assisted suicide, euthanasia, and epilepsy. So. They also found um, a bottle of mineral water and a note to her son that said, forgive me, I can no longer live with my nerves. And her death was ruled a suicide. Do you believe that? I don't. Let's move on to Roman Gary, her second husband. So shortly after, Roman Gary's second husband calls a press conference to publicly blame the FBI's campaign against her for deteriorating her mental state, basically, and how she became mentally psychotic after the media reported so many false rumors about her um, carrying the child of Raymond Hewitt. So he also alluded to the fact that she repeatedly tried to commit suicide on the death of her baby, which is August 25th. So now we can say this. This is, this is what, what gets me. Number one, if that is the truth, it's easy for Roman Gary to pin, if let's say he murdered her, right? Let's say he murdered her because for a moment, I believe he did. Listen to me. Why? He says that she repeatedly tries to commit suicide on the death of her baby, which is August 25th. It turns out that she goes missing August 30th. So it's easy for the police or anyone to believe that home. Hmm, he says that this is something that's a pattern. 
look at the date, look at the time. Maybe he's right. And she did commit suicide. But then you look at the story with Ahmed, who is the other husband, the fourth guy that she's with. And he basically coerces her into selling an apartment. He takes her money and he opens up a restaurant. He has an angle here. Then here's what really happened. Six days after finding her body, the FBI released documents under FOIA, which is the Freedom of Information Act, admitting to the defamation of Jane Seberg. Good for you holding yourself accountable, FBI. Media attention got wind of all of the abuse and that happened to Seberg. So it led to an examination of the case by the United States Senate Committee. And in June 1980, the Paris police filed charges against an unknown persons. They stated she had a high, very high amount of liquor in her system and that she would be comatose and it would be impossible for her to get into her car without assistance. And there was zero alcohol on the scene, on the premise. Someone definitely was present with her. So guess what? I now think when I read this information, maybe it was the FBI. Hear me out. Maybe it was the FBI. And the reason why they won't re release the name unknown persons is because they don't want to hold themselves any more accountable. They don't want to say, hmm, we did do this to her and then we killed her. No, no. Let's call it a suicide. This is just what I'm thinking. I'm not sure if I'm even right about this. But then my mind changed, changed again because in December 1980, Roman Gary, who is husband number two, he ends up committing suicide and he left a note who was addressed to his publisher saying that he could no longer produce literary work and that it had nothing to do with the murder, not the murder, the, um, the death of Gene Seberg. Do you believe that? I don't. So now I'm thinking maybe he did murder her, Roman Gary, and then he felt, hmm, I just thought of something else. So maybe he did murder her. He felt guilty, ended up committing suicide because he couldn't live with himself. Or, or maybe the FBI got rid of him too because they both continued to support, well, she continued to support um, different parties, 100%. And he agreed and he believed her and they both tried to sue Newsweek and they blamed the FBI. So now... Wouldn't the only thing be to get rid of both of them and blame it on suicide? I don't know. I'm just saying. But this is not in the film. And hearing me say this, don't you wish, don't you gain a little bit of a visual and wish that it was part of the film? Because if it were, I think it could have hit Oscar buzz. I feel that if they would have added a bit more detail, Kirsten Stewart um, would have had a moment at Oscar buzz. And I also wanted to see more of Raymond Hewitt. And I wanted to see his side and what he does. Connect the two, have them meet by six degrees of separation. It's just, 
they could have gone into so many different directions and they stood on the surface. But I want you to watch it for yourself and give me your own opinion. Now I, I want to tell you a lot of other celebrities that were targets of the Pro program, which is no longer effective. And the FBI, they want nothing to do with the way that J. Edgar Hoover ran things when he was with the FBI. Um, so the other celebrity targets you may know are Muhammad Ali, Angela Davis, Jane Fonda, Martin Luther King Jr., John Lennon, Malcolm X, Yoko Ono, the Puerto Rican Socialist Party, and the Puerto Rican Independence Party. That is just to name a few. I can sit here for years and continue naming some more. Um, what I want to say is we need to watch more films like this to see where we were and what our America was like. Uh, it's important to continue to educate ourselves. This is something that I learned of this year. This is something I never knew of. And now I'm informed and I want to learn more. Um, her life was short-lived. And I continue to read what an icon and a talent she was. And how she stood for all people. And the movie didn't do her justice at all. They made her seem more crazy, delusional, psychotic, than, and weak more than anything. And they could have given a better point of view. And I hope that if they, someone does a film of Gene Seberg in the future, may it be myself, um, she deserves her flowers. And that's the end of this. See you guys next week.